I'll call the meeting of the Planning and Zoning Commission uh, September 5, Tuesday, September 5, to order. And we'll have the uh, roll call. Commissioner Thompson. Here. Commissioner Kruber. Here. Commissioner Kuiper. Here. Commissioner Olson. Here. Commissioner Broussard Vickers. Here. And Commissioner uh, Nelson. Here. Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Do we have any changes on the agenda for tonight? No, Mr. Chair, we do not. Okay, can we have a motion to approve the agenda as it's printed then? I'll move the agenda. Second. All in favor of that say aye. 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 Opposed? That is approved. Um, there are no public hearings this evening and no awards, presentations, or appearances. So we'll go to old business, uh, ordinance review. Yeah, Mr. Chair, um, commissioners, really tonight's, uh, the old business on tonight's agenda is really kind of a, a review of some of the things we <coughs> talked about last meeting. Um, again, last meeting schedule didn't quite work out for us to have a public hearing tonight, so we're gonna have uh, a number of public hearings in October. But we thought we would bring back those items to um, a little bit dusted up and, and have with a little bit more information, try to get through another iteration of these to make sure that we're um, as squared away as we can be when we get to the public hearing and we don't have a lot of open questions yet. So um, I'll kind of uh, defer to Athana Siena a number of these. She did a lot of the, this research and background information. Um, so Athana Siena, do you want to take us through uh, the accessory structure um, item and is there anything that we should note from last time? I know that this is something we had fairly well laid out last time. Any new changes that we want to highlight? Uh, no, not any new changes. Uh, just that if you want to look at the memo, uh, this is the memo that was in your packet from last time. And then the bullet points, all we did is we took the bullet points and put the text in there. So just as a quick recap, um, the suggestion was to have um, a, um, <clears throat> only one accessory structure allowed and it could not exceed 200 square feet. So we added that language. And all of the language is um, on the next page in red. This is the only language that was changed. And it just incorporates all of those bullet points that were in the memo. And um, if you want to take a moment to just review those, then that's the, those are the only things uh, that we actually changed in the ordinance. And it's nothing new from the last time that we spoke. And <clears throat> this um, fits pretty well with what uh, the property owner was presenting. Yes, it does. It does. I, I, I think we, it is of note that we have received a couple of emails on this topic, so it is something that people are interested in. Um, and so I, I suspect that we'll have some folks here for the public hearing on this one, which is always great to get some input. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's something that's uh, not without uh, controversy um, on both sides. So we'll be ready for that. And um, yeah, we've, we've like I said, we just had some interest in in this. Um, Other people have vacant lots that they want to do the same thing. No, uh, the opposite. Uh, people who are maybe I don't want to put words in their mouth, but maybe opposed to seeing etc. 
accessory structures go up on vacant lots. Mm, okay. So probably neighbors that don't own the vacant right. lots, right? Yeah. Or people in the neighborhood that don't own the vacant lots. So. Yes. Good question. Um, we we added in that language of the five years, um, and the only problem I have with that mm-hmm. is that if it was torn down by somebody else and a new owner buys the land, not letting them use their land for five years seems to be problematic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I, I have a hard time seeing anybody but tearing down a structure unless they were already gonna tear it. Mm-hmm. They had bought it and were gonna tear it down anyhow. I, I don't think they tear it down just so that they could build Mm-hmm. An accessory. We talk about where it can be located, which is only in the. There's another place in there that says only in the rear yard. It's already defined in there that it yeah. says it can only be in the rear yard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, not letting them use it for that period of time to me seems to be uh, is problematic for me. I mean, they're not buying it just for that. They might be buying it so that nobody else builds a house close to their house, mm-hmm. but they're probably not buying it just to put a 200 square foot building on it. So mm-hmm. that's my only problem really with that. Or if we put something in that says the existing owner can't tear down a structure <coughs> and build it. I, I don't know how to word that, but to stop a new buyer from using the land like that mm-hmm. seems to be too long to me. Otherwise, I think we've got everything in there. You've got it's got to be in the rear yard. Mm-hmm. It already has to be all the appropriate setbacks. You've got all the building material stuff. There's even a mention of you can't use metal or tin on anything. Um, I, w- I would note, uh, and this comes back to our larger discussion that we're some days we'll get to mm-hmm. here in this uh, chambers, the discussion of what a yard is. And um, when you say, I was comfortable because it's in the rear yard, remember that sort of the current interpretation of our yard has everything to do with where the house is and you know, starting with the front line of the house, back line of the house. So if there is no house, no primary structure, we sort of default back to the definition of yard that um, I think is maybe more prevalent in the planning world, which is that it's what sometimes is referred to in our code as the required yard. So mm-hmm. the setback equals the yard. So when we say it can not be in any required yard except the rear yard, what we're really saying is it can only be in the 25 or 20 feet, whatever the rear yard setback is, 20 or 25 feet. It can only be in that section. In other words, it can't be in any other part of the um, area of the lot. In the so middle. even if you have a vacant lot, you still have rear yard required yard, setback. Required yards. Yeah. But so it still won't make it be. Pl- it still won't be placed where the primary structure right, right, would would right. be. So. Oh, but it would be an awfully small area. It would just be a strip of land along the back. Well, you know, and. Which is maybe the appropriate place maybe for Maybe not. Yeah, I was going to say that might be actually where most of the people probably tend to put their. Yeah. Accessory structures anyway. I, that's already limiting enough to me. Mm-hmm. That I don't think. For me, the time frame is not necessary, but I like everything else that's. So and so, what I'm hearing is just maybe we could put something 
in there, just in that one section with the five years that said that the new property owner could um, make changes sooner? Um, Just the, you know, just the intent, because we can change it before the public hearing at the next meeting. Yeah, I, I, five I, uh, years is too um, long. How about um, cannot be demolished or removed by the current owner? It seems confusing, because it almost implies that someone's buying another property that has a primary structure on it. And then they're going to oh, tear it yeah. down. Yeah. Tear yeah. it down. Yes. It's but number one, we already have the fact that it has to be a contiguous. <laughs> yes. We've already got something that has to be contiguous. My guess is if somebody's buying something like that, if they're not keeping the structure, they just want the space between their neighbor. And then saying to them, you can't tear it down and use it for a shed. I guess I don't see that happening. And, and it unduly restricts some people from using it, I guess. So I don't know. I'd take out that take sentence, that I guess. Out? Yeah, that, that's, that's for me. Mm -hmm. But everything else, I think, looks, looks good, reasonable. Any other questions or comments? So this is, uh, there's not a motion required, this is just for input for staff, sure. right? Correct. I guess, how, do I, how does everybody else think about that five years? Because they need to know whether they put that in or leave it out before our meeting, before the public hearing. It seems interesting because if, if you're going to purchase another property like that, who would fork out that kind of money? Just to demolish all. Yeah, I guess what I'm what I'm thinking of, uh, Commissioner Olson, would be um, if the neighboring property was a real junker, right? Mm -hmm. And which in, in which case we'd be in favor of them tearing it down. Knocking it down. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you know, if you're if the property next to you was a, <coughs> a drug house that was you know in mm -hmm. shambles, we'd we'd want to encourage you to buy it and tear it down, even if you're not going to put a new structure on it. But I think that's better than having a house that's in shambles there, right? So, but you're, but you're right, no one's yeah. going to buy a brand new house worth a couple hundred thousand dollars just to put up a play structure next to them. Mm -hmm. um, so. Well, they might if there's enough money, but. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I can see, um, you know, it, it, I've seen it happen on Lakeshore properties, mm -hmm. you know, where mm -hmm. some some sort of, um, I think we're lucky enough where most of the, most of the properties on our two lakes aren't legacy um, cabin areas, right? Mm -hmm. They're mostly yeah. fully Homes. developed houses. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that happens all the time on lakes where someone buys the lot next to them and tears down the, you know, 500 square foot cabin, and that's pretty mm -hmm. easy to do. Yeah. Um, in this case, we don't have a lot of that, I don't think. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to go through all the scenarios, and I, I think just eliminating that sentence is probably okay. <clears throat> I guess I feel like if they, if they actually did that and they did put up an accessory structure, it doesn't prevent, preclude, or really negate the ability for a new buyer to step right in and put up a house and they got a little bitty thing in the back, which they may then tear down. And again, we're not allowing them to put up a giant 
no. tool shed where no. a line up mm -hmm. will play structures. Yes, exactly. Or so I shouldn't say will play structures, a little accessory structure. Yeah. The square footage is still max. Yes. At a certain mm -hmm. At 200 square yeah. feet, yeah. Any other comments or questions? I think we heard that just eliminating that sentence, that second <coughs> sentence of the third bullet would be the way mm -hmm. to go. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So, Mr. Chair, if you're ready to move on to number, well, A2, I guess, was the, uh, well, no, I'm sorry, uh, on to number 1B, Native Landscapes. Mm -hmm. And again, I'll let Aponacia take the lead on this. Um, yeah, so we, uh, we've been talking about native landscaping, and um, more or less we have to do it um, because it's a state requirement. Um, and so I prepared a memo just to show you what other communities around us are doing, um, and the city of Lionel Lakes has not addressed it yet. Uh, of course, state statute says that, you know, this is what it is, and your local regulations, whether they're up to date or, or not, uh, they'll trump whatever the local regulations are. Um, so it, it, Lionel Lakes is going to get to doing it. Um, and then I put what City of Circle Pines is doing. And some of these other communities, um, including Lexington, they are requiring um, landscape management plans, which is a little bit more, um, there's, it's just more involved for staff. And so you have to have a permit if you want to do something that is outside of what you would normally think is required. And uh, and we thought that it just needed to be very simple because the language that we have in here pretty much addresses uh, our needs. So the only change that we actually made was that um, in the um, grass, weeds, or plants section, um, we just added uh, on page four of the ordinance in red here. It says, any grass, weed, or plants other than trees, brushes, bushes, flowers, or other ornamental plants growing to a height exceeding eight inches, and then we put in that are not part of a natural, of a managed natural landscape as defined in the state statute. Um, and that's the only thing that we added uh, because we felt like the rest of our ordinance was pretty simple. We didn't think that we wanted to go ahead and start requiring um, landscaping plans to Circle Pines has their Parks and Rec uh, committee review those, and we just we just didn't we don't do that now. We didn't think that that was necessary, so we just added one little revision in here, um, just for clarification, more or less. So the, the managed landscape is simply defined already to go to that. Didn't I read something? There was some place else that it said something about having to have a permit. And, and, and the, all those definitions, that was in somebody else. Lexington, the city of okay. Lexington. Mm -hmm. So they okay. want to have managed, uh, they want to have uh, landscape permits. plans and they want to have permits. Okay. And we don't do that now and we thought, you know, why start it when we don't, you know, it's not necessary. And the more we read our ordinance, the more we just said, basically our ordinance allows this already. Yeah. Nothing in our ordinance says you must have turf grass. Mm -hmm. It just says that you can't let whatever you got, get to eight inches or higher, and it can't, you can't let it be noxious weeds. So the only thing we really felt we needed to do was allow mm -hmm. things to get higher than eight inches that aren't noxious weeds. Right. And so we put this thing in here, because we already have some exceptions to not eight inches, which is 
trees, bushes, flowers, or other ornamental plants. And so we just add it in there. And so it's kind of a strange sentence because of the way it's formulated. But yeah. basically we're saying any grass, weeds, or plants that are not part of a managed natural landscape um, have to be eight inches or less. Which is also funny that the state statute says that already too. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. the state statute says, it first of all says you can't disallow people from having a managed landscape that gets higher than eight inches, but then it also says you must <coughs> regulate people to the eight inch law. So the city is never used to be forced to manage to that eight inch thing. It now is forced to do that by state statute. So it's, the more I reviewed it, the more it was really kind of a scary bit of um, authority grab by the state on local regulation. Um, but I, I just felt like all those, adding all that information, all that definition, and having a permit process and all that kind of stuff was just, man, we got 1,400 homes in town. Mm -hmm. Even if 10% of the people do it, that's 140 permits we want to issue? I don't think so. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I've only seen one. I saw a garden in a front yard, like a vegetable garden in a front yard. I would in say my we've got several of those. We've got some that I would characterize more as met managed natural landscapes mm -hmm. um, that I know of already. I mean, there's one on Old Mill uh, Road way up in the north end. That's a very beautifully maintained thing. It's maybe actually in violation of a few things, <laughs> but um, uh, just because it's a little too close to the curb. But uh, there's lots of other ones in town that are, um, you know, essentially a garden, you know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, flower like garden. Tomatoes, or, uh, and, just tomatoes and peppers and... Yeah, or, or, or just um, daisies and Brown-eyed Susans, you know, yeah. It, it's yeah, they're all, those are taller, yeah. Right. It doesn't get two or three feet tall, but there was one thing, some grasses, native grasses, can get six to eight feet tall. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And there's provisions in here, um, in the other part of the, uh, our code, which is the right-of-way, which essentially says, in the right-of-way, none of this can take place where it's more than eight inches. So you can't have a managed natural landscape in the right-of-way. Um, so we don't have those issues of sight distance and that mm -hmm. kind of thing, right? You don't want people to be walking down the sidewalk and be, you know, <laughs> a little kid, right? I mean, you can imagine a toddler could be covered up pretty easily by these mm -hmm. landscapes and stuff. So. so I think we've got a good existing ordinance that's sort of hands off on this and is, quite frankly, uh, all we need, I think. So. It was just for clarification, more or less. Because <coughs> Mark and I talked about the ornamental uh, plants and what those really are and we figured that just adding that little bit of verbiage in there would just clarify things. We also um, wanted to, to cite state statute rather than go through and add those yes. definitions in ourselves <coughs> in case that statute changes um, mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form. If they change the language, tweak the language on it or something, we just said as defined in state statute so we don't have to track that down again like it would right. be. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mark, you indicated you got a couple of emails <coughs> Regarding the um, accessory structures, have you gotten anything on this one? Nothing. No, I won't. No, the only thing I would say is that about a year ago, I did have someone inquire about um, planting their yard with clover and instead of turf grass, and essentially came to the same conclusion, which is nothing says you can't. Clover's not listed in the noxious weeds, so if it's not a noxious weed and it's under eight inches and it covers the ground, so we don't have exposed dirt, then maybe met the intent. Now there, there is some also, we kind of came up with three parts of the code where this affects, and you've seen two of them, which is the right-of-way and then this 
nuisance. The third one is the subdivision ordinance. And that one we decided to leave um, off a little bit just because uh, it talks more just about turf establishment in terms of cover. You know, we don't want um, dirt. dirt, right? And so it does require sod in the front yard and, and these things which are more of a development requirement. Yeah. Um, but also developments have landscape plans and that kind of thing which would easily yeah. trump that part of the ordinance. And I, I'm not worried about the subdivision part of it. I mean, you could, otherwise you could do what the subdivision ordinance says and then two days later as now you're not a part of a subdivision anymore, you're just a homeowner, you could rearrange your whole yard just mm -hmm. whatever way you wanted it to, you know. And I, I don't think that that's going to be an issue, you know, with anybody. So how do we handle like issues of say someone plants something like that and it escapes the yard and goes into your neighbor's yard? As long as it's not a natural, um, uh, a noxious weed. Yeah, noxious. That's like um, a whirly bird that flies well, in yeah. your yard from a cotton I mean, tree I, and I grows do think, fifty I mean, thousand of them. You're, so you're on your own. Yeah, it's yeah. it's actually <laughs> the exact question I had for the clover guy. I was That's like, what I was wondering. Clover I said I don't know how that works in terms of like creep and Charlie type of actions. I said, I, I did say, I said, you may want to just chat, chat with your neighbor. Maybe it's a matter of adding some landscape edging to try to keep it from creeping into your neighbor's yard. Look at dandelion. Um, I mean, you know, dandelion. Yeah. But again, that's on the noxious weed list. So I, I think it's a fair question. I think the problem is we're bound now by state statute to allow this. And there ain't no going back. Unless they Interesting talk to your legislature. Because some people will eat dandelion greens. <laughs> some will make dandelion Well, yeah. purslane is supposed to be one of the best plants around, and I keep trying to kill that sucker <laughs> all over the place. I'm like, oh, I should leave. I never did eat my lettuce again. Look at this. I've got it everywhere. So, I, yeah. Yeah, good good question, Daryl. I just I don't, don't think we have an ability to. I, I mean, maybe there's a clause we add in to say you have to prevent it from into your neighbor's yard somehow or you know attempt to well you can't by wind i would say you can't do that yeah. if it's a, if it's something like a rhizome yeah. that or you know, like the creeping charlie thing that then maybe you i i don't know yeah. rhizome plants go places i mean that's, yeah, they that's it they're gone i suppose you know state statute does talk about it as a managed natural landscape yeah. uh, so if you're not managing it, um, that could be a problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, at this point, we're listing it as a nuisance if it's not part of a <coughs> natural landscape. So once it's outside the boundaries of your yard, I would say it's no longer being managed. I could say that would be a nuisance. Okay. Well, I like it. Huh? Any other questions or comments? I like the simplicity of it. Mm -hmm. Quite, quite frankly, one of the issues too was we didn't really know where to put it. We don't have a sort of landscape section of our code. Yeah. It's more, we have a subdivision, it's in the subdivision code, but it, we don't, <coughs> a lot of other cities were just making this a new, whole new section of the code. And I just thought, man, where are we going with this? You know, what, yeah. what, are we, what, what animal are we creating here? We don't need to, so. In our code, we, we list what can be planted, what can't be planted as far as like trees or shrubs and stuff like that. We only, um, in the, in the uh, subdivision ordinance, yeah, we do have a list of <coughs> trees that can go in or something like that, yeah. Okay. 
No, there's places like Maple Grove. They any new construction there, you cannot plant any maple trees. Yeah, they got which is kind of very restrictive. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Mr. Chair, didn't mean to elongate that one. So, this this is also just for staff input, right? Yes. Yep. So, we are ready to move on to the next item then on medical facilities. Yeah, Mr. Chair, I think again we'll have um, Athanasia dive into this one here. Um, again, a lot of a lot of research into this, and um, you know there's. A, a lot of different directions to go on this one. Um, a lot of different cities doing different things here, and um, uh, so we'll present what we have, and yeah. we're glad to have, take your input. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, I had reached out to the city of Woodbury a while back, and um, they um, the only issue that they had at the time was really queuing in front of the medical facility, and that was for drop off and pick up. Um, and so I went ahead and checked their ordinances again, and I wanted to put the um, zoning districts where they allow them so that you could see that they're very inclusive of where these uh, facilities um, can be. So it's about in almost every district that they have with the exception of a couple. And um, they there's only like one or two districts where a conditional <coughs> use permit is, is required. And so they're just the way that, that they handle it, it's very inclusive. They really haven't had a whole lot of problems. Um, and then I looked at you know the city of Lexington, and let me just back up. There's not a lot of places that have these facilities, and so it, it makes it a little bit more difficult when you're calling around and trying to find you know something to you know compare it to. Lexington has a moratorium on it, just like we do. So what I did for this item is I looked at. Um, the memo that our city attorney prepared at the last meeting where he outlined some of the problems and then I took the feedback that you provi um, provided the, at the last meeting and then um, got the language from there. So a summary of you know, what we recommended in the staff consideration was that we allow um, the zoning district would be the B2 Main Street Commercial District and um, for reasons of visibility like we discussed at the last meeting. We also talked about maybe what to call them, and so we thought substance abuse treatment clinic would be the thing to maybe call these um, facilities. Uh, and then um, we also, let me, uh, and then I just noted that we would want to go ahead and um, define substance abuse clinic, which I took a shot at in the um, language in the ordinance. I also look for um, cities that might define these kinds of facilities, and there's, there's really not. Woodbury calls them clinics for human care, and so, it, you know, a lot of times they're, they're right in the section with uh, doctors and dentists, and so we thought, you know, I talked with Mark, and, and we thought, well, you know, we don't want to, you know, banish them to the industrial district if, if we're are we going to have doctor's offices there, dentist offices there? So we added in a new definition, uh, which is um, clinic for substance abuse treatment. And uh, it's very similar to the clinic treatment, except it's that they have to be, um, they're treating and they have the expertise to treat for substance abuse related issues. So we just made it very specific 
there, and then on the next page, then we went ahead and added in um, the um, some of the verbiage from Kurt's memo. So we said that um, you had to have uh, specific licenses. There was a lot of discussion at the last meeting. So basically, the intent was that the care would be provided under supervised. Um, practitioners who have at least a, an RN or higher, um, and that there would be an interim use permit. That was something suggested in, uh, by Kurt, and that um, a uh, let's see, it, it would be an IUP and a, a CUP. We put it in that section, um, and that clinics must be 500 feet away from daycares and educational institutions. We thought that was important. Um, and then uh, loitering, and then we took that from the fact that that's, um, we don't want loitering, and we figured with the queuing that Woodbury had uh, been experiencing, we didn't want to have that kind of issue. And then um, also, per Kurt's memo, we just said that we wanted to have some plan in place, so an operations plan, a communication plan, so that we're very tied into the goings on in the um, treatment uh, facility and there was also um, something in there that, that we said that if there's any kind of uh, you know uh, closure plan then we, we just want to make sure that we are in the know at all times and um, that the facility or treatment clinic is in plain sight and is um, you know that we can monitor any kind of activity uh, or activities that could pose potential problems as currently Thank you. Any questions or comments? As laid out in the B2, that would be obviously on Main Street. How would this affect other businesses in those like strip malls? Because that's where it's pretty much they're dictating where they'd end up being. Right. Well, I mean, they would be, um, it's not overnight. It would be during business hours. We have very few, we just have a handful of districts mm -hmm. and so we wouldn't put them in residential areas their choices would be industrial or um, maybe the we didn't put them in the um, in the M1 district or anything like that okay um, so we thought that it made sense to put them in the main commercial place the same place that a um, dentist or doctor was allowed we thought that made sense okay. so but with several um, conditions. So in plain sight for monitoring, but lots of conditions. Uh, yeah, that's what we thought made sense. Yeah. So, for instance, hours of operation could be part of the IUP or the CUP. Yep. Okay, so we would be talking <coughs> 8 to 5 or 8 to 6 and not weekends or something like right. that. Um, what what can we do if um, if they have clients that go there and show up and they are already under the influence of something and now they're just going to go into the florist shop next door or the liquor store or whatever? Is, is that behavior simply... Um, going to fall under the other 
public intoxication or nuisance, you know, behavior that the police would simply be called. And if that rises to a level where it becomes a problem, is there something that we'll be able to put in the CDP that then says you can't, the problem is they can't really control that person's mm -hmm. behavior. It simply is that that, that that person might be more inclined to show up and then cause a problem for neighbors. So how within our, our permits do we get to say, hey, that can only happen X number of times or something that says this has become now a public nuisance and, and you got to go kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then the last one I had is, is there a definition for licensed medical practitioner? Uh, so for the first question, mm -hmm. I would think that as part of one of those plans mm -hmm. that we could talk with the, um, talk with them as they're coming in and say, you know, this is a concern of ours. Is this something we could, uh, we could discuss what would happen in this instance mm -hmm. if, if this was to occur? Because we're, um, per this um, change that we're requesting, you know, traffic management plans and those kinds of things. So I think that one's kind of easier to slip in. We could definitely do that. Um, and then on the second one, then we do not have a definition in here, mm -hmm. but I think that'd be easy enough to add. I guess I'd not like to know who in Minnesota has to be licensed right. as, a, as a medical practitioner. I'd right. like to know who, yeah. who, those, who are those people. Yeah, okay. I think, yeah. Doctors and nurses and, you know, I don't know. EMTs don't have to have Somebody walking in their front door quite in the same manner that uh, some 
Well, with memory care, we were we had that fear. Yeah, and, well, that they people wander out of those facilities on a fairly regular basis because yeah, from fire code things, there's um, issues. You can't just have it on a lockdown. You have to have a emergency exit, and there's usually a, like a delayed alarm on those emergency exits. Yeah, um, they usually have like a delayed alarm that's thirty seconds before yeah. they can actually get out. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It, so, so they'll push, they'll hit it, but they're they're stuck there. Right. And so you know that was part of what we were talking about um, with with them. Um, but to your point, Linda, that certainly these types of facilities have the higher potential for neighbor to neighbor conflict. And where there's a problem. Yeah. yeah. With yeah. the with the client. So one thing, how do we define what is an excessive use? Okay. That's a very good question. Yeah. Well, maybe you use examples of other cities and other clinics that have, and how many calls they have as opposed to the ones you have. That might be a, a, an objective measurement that would yeah. be used in the event you were trying to pull a, a CDC. You'd have to, you'd have, you know, if it is one thing, but you had 20, then that becomes more objective. In a, in a small town, someone yes. might view excessive use different than someone like a large city like yeah. St. Paul. And I, and I think that'd be something we can have Kurt weigh in on. I, I think, if I recall, he did not want to put a number on it because he felt like that might be challengeable in court. That mm -hmm. uh, you're putting a restriction on it, just you know, just because you if you put you can't call it more than five times a week. Well, you have a bad week, and then all of a sudden on the sixth time it's it's a real emergency, and now you didn't call anyone because you didn't want to go over that. I think he felt like that was probably problematic in the court. Sort of a little being a little bit more vague about it was better, even though sometimes in our code they don't like to be vague. But um, so we'll have Kurt weigh in on that. I think that's a fair question. I, I think the problem too, though, is if you put in your code that you're going to make them pay for <coughs> that services extra, somebody's going to look at you and say, "There's why is it excessive? You're getting paid for it." In other words, it's <coughs> it's not using your city money. Why is this excessive? You're getting paid every time they call. So that, I, I mean, that could be a reasoning that says, well, you know, what, what makes it excessive that they're paying for it? Well, the taxpayers wind up paying for it as well. Well, I think... Well, that's what I'm yeah. saying, but if you're charging the, right. them for it... And I, I think I think the better way to say this is as opposed to having them pay for it, you know, like you say, it might just be what, well, we'll take the fine, you know, because it's easier. I, I think... Part of this is that if there's excessive use of municipal services, they have the right to revoke your conditional use permit, yeah. which is mm -hmm. the ultimate yeah. pay. You know. mm. right. So how are the conditions communicated? How are they identified and communicated to the owners? Um, so this would be in the zoning code chapter uh, under, the, under the B2 zoning. And so um, when you apply for... Uh, Zoning, uh, make a zoning application. We'd say, okay, you're a, a treatment facility of this type, so you are go across the chart and say you are a conditional use. Um, so we have to have a public hearing, and we'll issue you a conditional use permit. And in that permit, will be enumerated all these things that they have to abide by. And so the owner would be signing that, and we'd have that recorded against the property. Okay. So even if they just went from a strip mall place. We have less, we have, how do, how do we get to them when they sign a lease with a, a building owner? Yeah, it would be any, you know, if it's a change of use, mm -hmm. um, that would have to come of, to us for the zoning. Of one of their own, yep. of one of their tenants. So if, if someone across the way puts in 
anything that's listed on our cable allowed uses that is a conditional use that's not the same conditional use that's already there, right? Um, so, for instance, there's a daycare in one of them, and I believe daycare is a conditional use. Mm -hmm. right. um, they can put another daycare in there without coming to us because the existing conditional use permits would still apply. We can't, conditional use permit doesn't go to a, a particular business, it's a category of businesses, right? And it's, it sticks with the property. Um, but in the case where, there, let's say there wasn't a daycare and someone came, came in, wanted to put one in one of the mini malls, we would say, okay, well, that, if you don't have a conditional use permit for that, you need to apply for one. And, um, yeah. And I would just like to add that I, um, I didn't put CUP in here. I accidentally put IUP. Okay. I will make that change before the next meeting. But, but the, the conditions CUP are the same. isn't the limitation. I was, I was going to say, don't you do both? You put the CUP and then the IUP mm -hmm. because it has a, a different time thing than the CUP, or is it just? Yeah, we've kind of toyed around with having um, both yeah. available to yeah. us. Yeah. We'll yeah. talk with Kurt about that again. We used that with Atlas Grows because they were um, an entity that did not have a lot of experience mm -hmm. being a family care facility. Mm -hmm. We um, said two years on the IUP, mm -hmm. but then we said CUP, but I put the IUP in here twice, so I'll make that clarification so that they're both in here. Okay, and, and we one of each. With okay, yeah. I thought one the difference each. was it no. said you applied for it and one says you got it. No, I no, was, no, no, but that was not the right. Okay. The way Kurt kind of explained it would be that you'd be issued an IUP in order to earn a CUP. Okay. You know, the CUP is pretty permanent. Yes. Um, yes, you can revoke it, but you really need to have well-documented case to revoke it. Mm -hmm. uh, IUP is just what it says; it's interim. And so, Let's see how it all applies. Yep. And we said two years on this because we thought that was a good enough time. And per Kurt's memo, he thought that would be a good time to be able to regulate. No, we're just looking for major um, yes. misses. What, what else mm -hmm. did we miss in here? Or we, is there anything else that we, you know, given that we don't want to be um, unprepared, but at the same time, you know, we didn't hear that there were a lot of problems with, with this in the You have drawn cases. a circle, 500 foot circle around every daycare, and, and it doesn't, and a daycare can be a home daycare um, or not. I mean, that's, Good I question. guess that's, your 500 feet thing, everyone that's out there that we know of, we need to draw a circle around it. And yeah, we, we have not done that exercise. 500 yeah. feet just seemed like a logical. Yeah, I you know. just, but yeah. I'm assuming a daycare means a home daycare. As long as they would be licensed. Well, that's what I'm saying. Home, they're, yeah. they're a licensed daycare, then I would think they are, they should meet the definition of daycare. Yeah. Yeah. Because that might apply in some areas. I think you know you can have there's a certain number of kids you can have outside your own without being licensed. Mm, yeah, uh, not too know, many. I don't know that we could really document that. Um, if someone were to object, you would have to tell them to show you their license. I mean, they're right, but I'm saying there's unlicensed. Un it, well, and I, I don't know. You maybe use the word licensed daycare versus daycare. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how. I think that's. <coughs> I think licensed. Okay, that uh, concludes the old business, um, new business, uh, M1 and M2 zoning district density requirements. Mr. Chair, I think I will handle this one. Um, so this is an important question here, um, and it gets a little complex. Um, 
So, of course, you only find these things when a situation arises and you start to look at things. So we have a, a proposal, a very rough proposal kind of that we're working with a property owner on for an apartment building on what's known as the Lalonde property. It's the large white house just west of the school up on top of the hill there. It's uh, about a three acre parcel, a little smaller than three acres. We're proposing a 110 unit apartment building on there, or at least that's the current talk. Um, so if you do that math, So um, it's north of 30 and south of 45. Um, and so on some of our planning documents, <coughs> we talk about that the M2 zoning district, which is what it is, as having a limitation of between 12 and 30 units per acre. So a minimum of 12 units per acre and a maximum of 30. And uh, But on the downtown master plan, um, it's listed at 20 to 45 units per acre. So. So again, the, the code and um, and the comp plan, thank you, listed at 12 to 30. And it, the comp plan doesn't necessarily distinguish between M1 and M2. It just talks about mixed-use districts in general um, because the comp plan is not the zoning code, right? And so it doesn't necessarily equate a comprehensive plan guidance with a direct directly with a zoning district. So high density residential in the comp plan does not mean R3 zoning or whatever. It, it, it's a much broader category. So you can't just say one equals the other necessarily. Um, but I thought at the very least, we need to make these three documents align a little bit better. And um, we think that it was really the intent, uh, someone mentioned to us as we were looking at the line, I think it was our city planner, we and he just said, you know, think about the order in which these documents were put together. And the downtown master plan, believe it or not, is really sort of the oldest of these plans in terms of the fact that it was done in 2006. Um, the latest comp plan was done in, actually the last two versions were post that, right? We did one in 2010 and we did one in 2020. <coughs> um, and then the code Sized for the lot, it, it feels appropriate from a planning perspective that 
that size of a building at a reasonable height um, would fit on this thing. So that density feels appropriate. And it, it might seem to you like, well, why is the M2 district higher density than the M1? The M1 is the more interior one. And that's because the M1 district requires first floor retail, which doesn't add to the density. It just has it. So if you would have first floor retail, then stories two and three have residential. It's still very high density, but it's you've only got two thirds of the available um, apartment space, right? So fairly simple change would be to just make the M2 district in the code and on the comp uh, in the comp plan we would uh, list it as mixed use from 12 to 45. The code would say M2 from 20 to 45. <coughs> the one issue that, that that brings around then is that our Block 7 project, which is a townhome project, um, is M2 as well, and it doesn't meet the minimum then. It doesn't, so that would only, um, I think that one is at around uh, 16 units per acre or so. Um, so the minimum of 20 isn't met by that townhome. So if you want to continue to have the M2 district be something that can be on the low end density, a townhome project, a very tight townhome project, the Block 7, if you remember, it's uh, 26 townhomes on 1.6 acres. That's, that's pretty stacked and packed. Um, if you want to keep that as an available option for M2 district, you really need to probably keep that low end at 12 and if you want an apartment building, a reasonably sized apartment building, not have be topped off at the max, then you probably need to get above that 30 to at least 40 or 45 as suggested in the master plan. So I think staff's recommendation is that we would look at the M2 district going from all the way from 12 to 45, so that we allow both a townhouse style development and a reasonably sized apartment building. So, does everyone kind of follow that <coughs> rationale? Anyone have any comments on where we would be heading with that? When's our next comp plan amendment? I mean, revision. Would, 20, yeah, 2030, right? 3030. So okay, 2030. 2030, so it would be, it, we would probably start, start it in 2027, finish in 2028, 2029. Okay. okay, so we're a little bit. The last one we finished almost two years early, you know, just because it takes so long to get through the council process. I mean, yeah. you, want it, you want it adopted day one of 2020. Questions or comments? So what we would do is we would bring this back as a public hearing, because obviously this is something that needs to be done in a, a public hearing setting. And um, it would really require, if we're going to do all three documents, the, the master plan doesn't necessarily require a public hearing. It's not an official document, but it is very official in the fact that our zoning code, if you read it, the first sentence in the zoning code says, it's the intent of this district that it be follow the master plan. And that's, again, why I think it's important that these things align, right? Um, so, uh, that's right in the block. The, the zoning code and the comprehensive plan amendment would also, would uh, for sure take a public hearing. We would, we would just lump in the downtown master plan as well. So we would kind of lay out those changes. And the comp plan amendment, I'm sorry, uh, does require a supermajority of the council 
So at this point in time, we only have four seated members. It would require three out of four. Um, if we seated another member, it would require four out of five in the past. Um, so that is a tricky part of this, would be that um, the council would have to be in pretty lockstep alignment to make that change to the uh, comp plan. Do you plan on holding that at the P&G level or going straight to the council level? I think that the council would appreciate a recommendation from the Planning and Zoning Commission. And we would probably have to change the venue to have that public hearing. Um, perhaps. Perhaps. I, I, it would be my guess this will draw, this will, this will be a big draw. I, I kind of, I've been around since all of these things have gone on and we've kind of watched it come and go. You made some really valid points at the, the council meeting the other night and that if we're going to make some of this happen, people are going to have to put their money where their mouth is sort of <coughs> in terms of being willing to support it because organically it, it has not happened to date and I think that's a very valid, that's a very valid thing. The part of the comp plan or the, the downtown master plan besides the design I think also was just a piece of looking at getting the city to that 5,000 level for the state aid that the city gets which is a, which is a large sum of money um, but potentially it, to get that um, funding might have to be provided from the city and my mind just blanked on it thank Thanks, and tax increment financing, which then is now money's not coming in that would have come in. But I think this we're kind of at a point to me in the number of years now that this has been trying to be accomplished is to either say, either you're going to have to be willing to do that, keep, and that's your tax dollars. That's that's for sure your tax money at that tax in, tax increment. It, and it feels more real. So I don't know to me if we'll have a, a, ch a change in, in, in what people will say or what the council does, but that gets all tied in with doing your basic tenant period of making this match clearly has to get matched. Which way the match goes is to me the, the bigger question. Yeah. And you know, everybody keeps looking at these plans, but then nobody wants to step us up and say, yeah, it needs this kind of money to go, and then the, the support fails, and then somebody else comes around, and the same question keeps coming up over and over again, and we've got pieces of property that are sitting there, and they don't seem to be going anyplace. So this, we've had more people than this room would support just talking about the different townhouses and apartment buildings that, I mean, that we've looked at just in Block 7 alone. Um, presenting something like what's potential on, on that Lalonde property is a whole different ball game, which I think is going to drive. So I'm just, if it comes to us, that's fine. We need a different venue, um, and we just need to be prepared for what what that's going to bring to us because our decision in what you want to support is either supporting what's up here already the way it was intended back or looking at making an entire change on what you're recommending because that's from my perspective that's what you're going to hear from 
from the public when when they get in here my guess is they're going to say they don't like this even though this is what's been going on for for all these years so don't like the higher density yeah mm -hmm. you know i mean that's been the plan that is the plan it's being everything's being predicated acted on like this is <coughs> what we're trying to do and yet if people aren't willing to support some enhanced uh, positioning from the city level to support that kind of development it isn't well it might show <laughs> i don't know if i'll be around to see it show um because it's already been pretty clear that it's it's, it's not coming forward you know and we've had many plans fail uh, or things get approved so i have another question about a variance not related to this at all so but i don't want to forget it so <laughs> made me think of it so i'm just for your history and background, that's what's going to be really coming in front of us. Is you're not going to hear people saying, oh, I don't want to make a match. They're going to say, what are you, crazy? I don't want that in my town. And, and what we go forward is we have to make that. So what you're choice. envisioning is a repeat of what we went through. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, oh yeah. yes, absolutely. On the what? Uh, the Zoom call. There was a in in May of 2021. Yeah, the apartment building. The yeah. there was the memory care facility as well. Quick trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then uh, we had that was a late late. That was uh, one thirty in the morning. Yeah. Uh, and and people were not they were not nice, mm -hmm. and they were not happy. And I, I just yeah. kept, couldn't, I couldn't even believe what was coming out of people's mouths um, in terms of their attitudes about apartment buildings. And even leading people. up to that, all the emails people were getting. I mean, it just was, it was, it was not pleasant, let's just say that. So I, I can see um, people <coughs> rallying to, to say something. Um, that raises a question in my mind, and that is, um, does anybody that comes to the meeting have the right to speak? Oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, even if they're not a resident of Seattle. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would say the predominant at that particular location, right. it was predominantly Lionel Lake. Because it bordered. Uh, because yeah, because, yeah, because yeah, it was on the on right. the edge. Mm -hmm. But um, you you know. We don't want that built next to our half-million-dollar hacienda we just built mm -hmm. because, you know, the low-life people who live in apartments. I mean, it was it was, it was was ugly. Yep. Mm -hmm. It was ugly. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I just want people to be pre prepared, and I wouldn't mind a police oh. officer being around as well. I wonder what they'd think if we threw a hotel in there. Yeah, well, I w you're, you're going to find out if that shows up. If you want to change it, it fits. That's no, just some background on all this because there, there was a lot, a lot of work that went into that master plan. I thought it was more than just 2006. It seemed like forever ago, but evidently was it as Well, the planning for it started, yeah. Yeah, it started for a long, long time, you know, so just, just yeah, and, and I don't, I don't know, Mr. Chair, you know, um, Certainly, another yeah. venue isn't a bad idea. I, I don't. I think it's. I, I don't know that people are going to catch on. To be honest, I, I and I don't. I'm not trying to be secretive or anything like that. I, I want people to catch on. Um, I want people to under, fully understand what this means. Um, but I don't know that the language and the public hearing and all that kind of stuff will attract.
tensions that say, oh my gosh, this means there could be departments that we've always that we didn't want. Well, yeah. Remember yeah. the last time they accused us of hiding it, yeah. even though oh. we had it all out there. Oh right. wait, we had contracts with blacktop and concrete people. We were all in it for the money because yeah. we were on we were on the take, actually being compromised mm -hmm. by money for the project. So that was also part. That really, I thought I did an excellent job of being <laughs> nice myself. Let's <laughs> just say I didn't feel like being like that at all. So um, yeah, that was we were we were accused of some nasty stuff. Well, we'll we'll look into uh, a different venue. Um, I want to also be cognizant though of the um, we do have a large uh, audience, very large audience on TV, mm -hmm. and if we go to a different venue, that goes away maybe unless we or like we to Saint, cover it. Saint Jim's yeah. that's where we've right, done right. some yeah. things in the past. Yeah, so so mm -hmm. I, um, I I just don't see us being able to to do it in this <coughs> yeah. this room. I mean. Can we televise from another location? I, I, we'll look and see if North Metro would do that for us, if they would bring us a couple cameras and set, um, up. set up for a broadcast. Um, you know, I, I don't know, again, if people are really going to catch on and there'll be 100 people there or if there'll be five people there going, um, I was here for the <laughs> native landscape. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but that's okay, too. I mean, you know, yeah. no, no big deal. Well, I would... I would I would make a motion to call for a public hearing on changes to the M12 zoning code downtown master plan and for a comp plan amendment. There's support to that? I'll second that. Okay. And uh, the details of it. Yeah. Any uh, further discussion? So like right now, Mark, if we didn't know changes, it's only zoned for M1, right? That area. Uh, M2, but the M2 caps out the, the zoning code well, I, quite frankly, it would be, um, I think you'd probably get a challenge from the owner of the property if we denied based on the zoning code because he would say, yeah, but the zoning code says the, ma the master plan rules and it should go up to 45. And I think then people who are opposing the project would challenge and say, well, but the code says, <laughs> quite frankly, the code probably should just be silent on it because it says already in the master plan what the density is. We'll have to go through that and how we do this. But... Mm -hmm. um, I, I think uh, right now my interpretation would be that the code says 12 to 30 for M2, even though the master plan says 20 to 45. I mean, clearly we'd want the attorney to weigh in here, but I think it would probably be capped at 30. However, it's all done as a PUD also, so you have flexibility. So you could still say, you know what, we're going to allow this density of 39 units per acre um, and ask for some additional you know, whatever to make up for that because it's a PUD and we're flexible. So that that adds a whole other thing I didn't get into here was that this is all done as a PUD and so there is some flexibility. It's not a hard number. I do think though, the further away you get from that number with a PUD, the harder it is to justify that PUD, right? I mean, I don't think, if you went to 31 units an acre, that's, a, that's why you have a PUD, right? Because you can have that flexibility. Going to 39, that seems like a pretty big stretch, right? Do we know that some, some developer has bought the property already? They not bought it, uh, but they're negotiating a purchase agreement as we speak, yeah. What is access, where is access to this site right now? Is it on the west coast? It would, it would come up uh, Centerville Road. Okay. 
I think it's an important thing that has to be it has to be fixed, and it's also maybe an important time to make a change or not make a change or make yep. people say <coughs> we're on board. We realize this might be, but if you have everybody not doing that, then then we need to do something different because you can't. If you nothing will change if you don't change something. I think the block seven project is equally as critical. Mm -hmm. I think everyone's on board with that plan, and it it meets the code, the letter of the code, but it doesn't meet the master plan, so it doesn't meet the code because the code calls out the master plan. Yeah. So, so we're kind yeah. of, we're, we're, we're in a change stew and we need to fix something. Yeah. What would the so timing be on the um, public hearing? We'd look be looking to do it in, in October, I think, just mm -hmm. because this development wants to move quickly once it, I mean, they want to take their time in this initial stage to see if this is a feasible thing or not. Got lots of open questions about whether or not the council is going to entertain TIF, whether or not this is going to be supported largely by the public, all sorts of things. But once they, everyone nods their head and says, if everyone nods their head and says, let's do this, they're going to want to move quickly and they don't want to have this in their way, certainly, right? So we have a motion to call for a public hearing on a change to the M1 and <coughs> 2 zoning code. Down, downtown Master Plan and Comprehensive Plan Amendment. Um, that was supported. All in favor of that say aye. 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 Opposed? That passes. I, I, if we delayed it one week, I could be back in town. And I'd, I'd like to be, but I'm not sure how that plays into everybody's timing. So, because I won't be here for October 3rd. I'm, I arrive back on the We'll look at that, um, Mr. Just Chair, and we'll just see. As a I know that MEA is coming up too, and there's all sorts of October yeah, things to stuff. work around and that kind of stuff too. So well, I think it's important that Linda be here for the uh, you know, the history and the continuity mm -hmm. of it. Well, like I said, that's the airplane won't come back until the eighth. We only fly back from Gulfport one day a week, and it's on a Sunday. So that's well, that's, that's my thought on it. Yeah. So you can make the tenth. I mean, we'll we'll show you. So. I just worked that day, so I'm available too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does this was the motion just to call for public hearing? Didn't it specify didn't a date. It right. didn't say a date. I think we're okay then. Yeah, we'll work that out. Yeah, okay. To possibly it, have it, it on the tenth. Yeah, in my head, what I'm thinking is that maybe the other sort of less consequential public hearings happen on the regular date, mm -hmm. and we hold a special, special one meeting. just for this one. There. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, then would we be having two meetings? That would. Yeah, unless there's some objection to that. Yeah, two meetings. Yeah. Okay. That concludes uh, new business then. Um, then we are on to approval of minutes for the August 8th commission meeting. Are there any changes that anybody saw needed to be made? Motion to approve. Good chair. <laughs> and a motion to approve those minutes. I'll make a motion. Second. And all in favor of that say aye. 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 Opposed? And I, I abstain. Yeah. I abstain okay. also because I was not present. And, okay, so and Richard. Yeah. Yes. That, um, Brings us to Councilmember Liaison. 
here. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, we're kidding. Um, thank you. I, um, where to start, right? So it's budget time, and um, there's a few things going on with that. Um, although I think some of the uh, budget effects, I, the most I think we're going to be, we haven't agreed upon and voted on it yet, but um, probably 5% or, or under, and I think I mentioned that in our last meeting, but needless to say, the cost of public safety is really, really going up. And um, police and fire both, you know, that's about half of our budget right there. And we don't really seem to, uh, I mean, that's just the nature of, of what it is. It's difficult to find firefighters, and it's especially difficult to find uh, law enforcement police officers, as John could share with us, I'm sure. So we have a lot going on there, and it's going to be a big part of, of our, our budget. Uh, Mark, did we, um, anything change on either front, on police or fire? No. Um, fire truck, did we get anywhere with that? No, I, I was going to say uh, personnel is the first issue, but then it's equipment is the next one. And um, I know that the, actually the police did just receive one of their new vehicles, but um, had to go away from that. the SUVs. We'd all kind of, you know, the officers had gotten to like and had to go back to what, chargers? Yeah, you know, those were from last. I mean, we didn't get rid of vehicles from last year. They never came in. Yeah. So we're two behind from yeah, last year right. that were already paid for. And, and fire engines are just outrageously expensive right now. And so we're actually looking at used ones, looking at refurbishing our, our existing ones. We're, you know, I know a person who sells them. Well, uh, let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> we can make yeah. a deal. Uh, yeah, for sure. It, and I think um, the cost is, is really kind of, um, it was a bit of a surprise to me to see how much they've gone up. But anyway, we got that going on and um, there's really no good answer to it. And we're getting some assistance from the state and that's going to help with police and fire at about 158,000 mark is that what yeah, that is? 170 I want to say something like that. Seven, that much okay but that's not going to be there next year but just for one year yeah. yep and um that's going to help lessen the pain but what do we do for next year well, let so, me ask you this mark amazon's up and running when will their taxes start kicking in a year from now um Yes, so that's going to be a big chunk. It, it, at, at the very least, it'll be some next year. Um, quick, I, I, in Quick Trip too, they're paying taxes. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have more commercial industrial coming on every day, every year, and it helps. Over there. It, it does. It does help. Yeah, the tax base is definitely up. It gets much more complicated than that. We have to give forty percent of commercial industrial stuff to a fiscal disparity pool, and hope we get some of that back. <laughs> I mean, it's like wildly complex and. Um, there's also a whole schedule. Bruce could tell you more about depending on what was there on September 1st versus, you know, I mean, it, it gets really convoluted. But, um, yeah, I think the, to your point, though, that this year it's nice that we have that funding, but next year hopefully we'll have at least something coming on the, on the books that will help us out. Yeah. Um, you know, now when we talk about a, a budget increase, though, uh, as Councilman Murkowski was discussing, we talk about that in terms of a levy increase. So put on your blinders about how much tax base additionally we have. We're talking about a 5% increase in the budget. That doesn't necessarily mean everyone's taxes are going to go up 5% yep. because we have an expanded tax base. So everyone's taxes hopefully will be 
growing up less than that because we have uh, growth in the tax base and not just inflationary growth but new construction growth right it's always that how many slices of pie we have more people taking a slice of the pie so that helps yeah and part of the reason why i bring that up is because i know you folks chat with your neighbors and whatnot and people come up and talk to you about it so um you know maybe just let them know cost of, of our public safety is going up and and they're going to see some of that um next spring and on their tax uh, property taxes and there's not a whole lot that we can really do about it so um the other obviously the big news and there's um, emails that went out about it we've all heard about it but we lost um one of our council members <coughs> a week ago sunday council member king passed away and um i i just um, it was a shock and it was a surprise and I guess everybody has to think of all that in their in, and deal with it on, in their own mind and in the way they would deal with it but um, I will say this about Councilmember King I have known him for <coughs> actually what got Steve into involved in, in getting on council was back in 2008-2009 when we had the street project going on and um, one of the residents actually had a rally in their front yard back in that was I think it was 2008 it might have been nine but they had a rally in their front yard and um, Steve um, got involved he, he didn't like what was going on he didn't like the way the uh, um, people were paying for these street projects and trail projects and everything else and he got involved and that's the kind of person that he was whether you agree or disagree um, he did what he thought was right. Uh, Steve came from, he and I talked a number of occasions um, about how we grew up, and, and Steve came from very humble beginnings and, and didn't have a lot and had to work hard for everything he had. And, and Steve really, whether it came across or not, Steve really cared about people. And he really cared about how people were treated and, and what government did to people and, and, and how they took away from people. And yet, did we did they help people too? You know, there's kind of a give and take there. And Steve was really involved in that. Steve did not hesitate to to write his congressperson or um, a, a county commissioner or a state representative or a state senator. He did not hesitate at all. I think some might be surprised how many times he wrote to these folks or U.S. senators. He did, and that's what Steve was and and did for our community. And and um, you know, he cared about his family and and wanted all of us to live in a safe community and that's a legacy I think Steve is going to leave behind for many many years some of the things that he was involved in and the decisions that he made um, are going to be long-lasting and um, it was it's a big loss to me and I lost a friend and I think a lot of us did and in this community in our city lost a very valuable um, person and contributor and, and uh, once again I extend my sympathies and blessings to his family but uh, just remember him as we move along and and if you are of the belief and you say your prayers by all means think of his family when you do so that's about all i got mr chair i thank you thank you Gus. administrator's report yeah i just wanted to uh, point out one thing that's not in my administrator's report but we had um the issue of Airbnbs come up recently. Um, I got a call from a concerned citizen about the operation of one in town. Um, it's not something we've dealt with that I'm aware of. A lot of cities have 
you know, it eventually comes up and the planning commission gets to, to tackle that fun subject. So circle um, as well or Yeah, so we're gonna start reaching out to some of those towns and see where what direction they've gone with it. But obviously I'm actually surprised it hasn't come up with our lakes, you know, being where yep. they are. Well, you know, we we're supposed to people who rent their house out uh, are supposed to have a, a landlord a license permit a license. A license yeah. um, is there some way of kind of yeah, lumping that in in some fashion? I, I think that was one of our first thoughts was do they need a license? What is our license requirements? You know, was there a, is there a definition of that? So we have to look at all that. And, Apparently, um, they do not have one. Uh, no, they do not have a rental license that we're aware of. No. Well, and some of the people don't, they, they, they live in it too, so I yep. can't remember. I was around when we did that with that landlord license, but I don't remember how we defined whether or not it became living property. Or and this, this literally came in, what, today? Yeah, so yeah. we have yet to really dig into to it, but uh, no doubt it will come before this body sooner rather than later. And um, So we want to read up on VRBO with Airbnb. Yeah, when I say Airbnb. It's all in, in the broad category of short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, with beyond that, um, you know, my administrative report is, is in the packet. If anyone had any questions, I'd be glad to, to um, answer those. Uh, I know the timing of this one um, is a little out of date here. We have a new one almost fully written up. But, uh, well, here's a question. Right? Does Amazon fully operate? They're up and running. We went and did walk through there. Yeah, they are up and running. About 107 employees right now. Yeah, that's maybe a third of what they're going to be at. So at, at full capacity, I think they're going to have around 300 employees in the building and about 300 van drivers. Have they um, already started making deliveries? Yeah, they have, oh. yeah. So there's a, um, we're working out with them on like a grand opening sort of um, kickoff thing. Um, yet to be determined who's going to be invited to that and all. You know, they have um, kind of, uh, you know, it's not just open to the public. Um, but they do want to give us some of our elected officials uh, some tours. So we're hoping we can include the Planning Commission in that. We'll, we'll work with the uh, leadership over there to see. Um, but in mid-October is when they're thinking of having everyone over there. I think they want to be fully operational. But uh, yeah, it's quite the facility and um, it's, it's quite the operation. And uh, the electric vehicle charging stations are all in now. I, I don't know how many vans are actually electrified over there, Not but I haven't seen them. I can't imagine them, but, yeah. Uh, I do think that we're you're probably going to see that um, every electric van Amazon buys in this region goes here first because we, we're the ones that charge the infrastructure first. So it'll be interesting to be on the forefront of that. And hopefully that's good for everybody. And what I found unique is their employees that are in the building are direct employees of Amazon, and all their driver deliveries are not contract contract yeah, contract, contract wow. third party. Yeah, even if they're driving an Amazon vehicle, yeah. a lot of times they're contract. They drive their personal vehicle up, bunch out with the van. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of interesting dynamics. We're gonna start to find out what effect they have on our community, both positive and negative. I just anecdotally, I saw the other day there were five Amazon vehicles in one of our local gas stations, and you know, seems like that'd be good for the gas station. <laughs> um, at the same time, there's we just had the we had a meeting in here. We had a num nice turnout, about 50 people or so turned out for. Uh, County Road 54 
corridor study with Plant Avenue and lots of concerned citizens and business owners about what the effects of Amazon and as we discussed all the other developments whether it's Sutton Transport whether it's distribution alternatives whether it's you name the business and or development you know North Point and Watermark and Native Acres I mean everybody there was a number of people here from Lionel. developments Lionel. Um, lots of folks from Centerville as well and just everyone wanted to know what what's on the horizon for 20th Avenue because as we watch this area grow we're gonna see that road you know what what are the weak spots of it right just like you saw on, on in 2006-7 as Main Street got to a point where all right we got to do something and we want to we want to be out ahead of that and I think the county's doing a wonderful job of that so far um, in doing this pre-planning to see what we need to have in our capital improvement plans for the next five to ten years to be ready for this sort of organic growth I know it seems like Amazon's kind of a big slug of growth all at once but it's it's really kind of I hate to say it but it's a little kind of small potatoes when it when it's taken the larger context <coughs> of 850 homes in Watermark and 250 in North Point and you know our 20 and here and 20 there and 30 there across the right, street right so um, it is it is a big chunk all at once but it's also not that big a chunk all in the in the grand scheme of things so does Lionel have an apartment building that is planned on this side of the road it's already been built, it's being built almost right done in, in North, North Point, Point. Yeah. 50, um, 55 units okay yeah. And so I need 55 and up, I think, yeah, is okay. senior. Where's that located? Right? You, you can have to go the all the way through. See it off the freeway. Yeah. You can see it on along the freeway. But oh, to get in there, you have to is. come okay. into the residential. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, lots of growth around us that's affecting us, again, both positively and negatively. We just had a business that uh, contacted us on our CN, asked about some office space, kind of an interesting business that clearly is here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to have their anchor client be Amazon huh. you know and they do some work <coughs> around employments like HR type screening processes and stuff like that um, and clearly that's you know here because of Amazon and obviously they'll take clients you know elsewhere on us but I think that was part of the positive impact we thought Amazon would have which is there'll be ancillary businesses that want to be here because of Amazon too right and so hopefully um, we have those positive effects of our on our community that hmm. Outweigh any negative impacts too. So. Well, Sutton has done a pretty good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so far Sutton has been a good neighbor. And yeah, I see done everything they said they'd do. Mm -hmm. I see their trucks all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Minneapolis, I've seen them all around there. Yeah, you see them going up to Duluth too. Yeah. yeah. So, lots of exciting things. And then, you know, I just was telling someone before the meeting that, um, you know, it seems like uh, we had this um, rush of development that we've been dealing with over the last three, four years. And I hate to say there's been a little bit of a lull, sure, but I know it's, um, we got a lot of things in the hopper. You know, we, uh, we have 1737 Main Street, which is the guys and dolls place that is, you know, slowly making progress, we hope. Block 7, again, we got people sniffing around and doing their due diligence and doing us a little proposal here and there. Nothing yet to crack the egg. And then Levant property is talking about things. I know that um, other people in the downtown are looking at redevelopment opportunities as well and so there's a lot we're on the cusp of a lot of things it's just whether or not we're gonna burst that bubble and, and move forward again with another um, lot of development I, I also know that there is interest and um, talk about uh, 
corner of 20th and Main and that uh, northeast corner, uh, the vacant lot there, I call it the Aldi lot, because Homes are so big. But um, I, I do know that we've, Wonderful. we've seen uh, our, you know, kind of the first clue is that we get assessment searches um, come through, you know, banks that are looking at financing a project and that kind of thing, want to know um, about outstanding assessments that would be on that property. So uh, that's usually a sign that there's an imminent purchase agreement. Uh, again, we have no idea who, and I know that the landowner, I spoke to him, he doesn't know either, so. But, uh, Is it Raven on that corner? Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's going to be controversial. <laughs> 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 it doesn't matter what it is. But I, know, I know somebody who knows, but somebody. they would not crack. They, they <laughs> were uh, screen secrecy, and they would not crack, but they said it's, uh, not be happy they said it's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. Probably be a restaurant. Nice. But that's a Wouldn't that be uh, exciting to have one that <laughs> just flew through because everybody loved it? Let's hope so. Texas Road. It's like a brew pub. It's like a brew pub. A brew pub. There, yes. well, I don't know. They all are after all. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. You bet. Thank you for your work. No problem. Uh, we are ready for a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. All in favor of that say aye. 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 Opposed. <laughs> we are adjourned. <laughs> <laughs>